I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. To 2-2, two, two, and they've still got more than half an hour to go, and here's Ozil. That is it. Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gooders podcast. My name is Lewis. I'm joined by German DZ and Shabs. How are you doing, gentlemen? All good. All good. All good. It kind of conflicted, right? Like, we just sat through two and a half hours of uh, United losing a Europe, Europa League final. But to our nemesis, Unai Emery, it's, kind of, oh, it's a bit of a weird one. Like, I, I, was, I was laying them bows down in the Discord, but I, I couldn't do it with full conviction. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just... It just feels dirty. Like we, Emery, Emery knocked us out of the competition. We we hate Emery. We wanted Emery out of our club, and he's he's still going on to bigger and better things than we are doing. So it's kind of like a a hollow defeat. No, a hollow victory. Sorry, a hollow victory. I should say. You know, yeah, we got to dunk on Man United, but we've won. But at, uh, at what cost? They say. Nah, to be honest with you, man. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. These are some delicious tears, and you know, even better is. The flipping, it's like the fake. I don't care from the United fans. When oh, and they we all know they full well that if if EVG hadn't messed up in that penalty shootout, they'd be chatting shit right now. How hilarious! You can see ten penalties. You, you can see ten penalties in a shootout, and you go and miss the only one yourself. Trash, <laughs> trash. Yeah, look, like some people are saying, oh, look, maybe you guys would be better having Emery back, but no, I'm, I'm very good. Yeah, thanks, man. You look at the way Villarreal approached that, that <laughs> whole game. No, I'm saying we, 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 we're not good, but we're fine without him, man. Like, let him do his thing in it, <laughs> wherever he is. 
He was making me sick in this game. I can't let. <laughs> Mate, they went defensive from a, from as soon as they scored. Well, they score about like after like thirty minutes or something. They went defensive from there on in. I, I was surprised when that didn't get the victory. To be fair, but anyway, yeah. enough about that game. We've got enough to talk about this evening. Obviously, um, our season's come to a close. Um, you know, there, there, there was the opportunity on the last game week for us to have something to, uh, you know, maybe head towards, but. Um, Tottenham saved us from the Europa Conference League by by a, a late comeback to Leicester again. One, but at what cost? You know, Spurs now finish above us for what, like the fifth season in a row. Um, me personally, I don't I don't like stuff like that. I I, I hate those uh you know those pricks from across the road to have any kind of joy. I know they're going through they're going through a rough patch themselves at the moment, but. It would have been nice to finish above them. And I, I wasn't too opposed to the Europa Conference League. It's just, it was more of the, the embarrassment of being involved in such a competition. But if we had treated it like an under-23 thing, I wouldn't have minded. Although, with Arteta, we can't really guarantee that he would have treated it like such. So, I'm not, I'm not too angry that we didn't miss out on Europa, um, that we didn't get the Europa Conference and we didn't finish above um, Spurs. But I guess what we're going to do in this pod today is we're not going to do like a full recap of the season but just uh, a little recap of like what's been going on over the last week or so we're going to do a full season review on our Patreon so if you aren't subscribed to the Patreon go ahead and subscribe to that we will be providing you loads of content over the summer right loads of content interviews uh, uh, transfer watches all sorts you name it you go and join our Patreon £3 a month and you can get all that extra juicy shit and get your Arsenal fix uh, twice a week, uh, as opposed to the one free podcast a week. But anyway, guys, let's talk about the Brighton game um, briefly. Um, not much to talk about, really, other than, you know, um, it was it was a fairly decent win, I thought. Um, some decent performances. Um, you know, we, we, there's a few players we need to talk about and their futures and the kind of season that they've had as well. But... Um, Dan, I'll come to you first. What 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 did you take from the Brighton game? Did you enjoy Did you enjoy the performance particularly? Um, I wouldn't say enjoy to be honest. Um, but I think it was good to 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 finish the season off strong. Something that we always kind of did under Wenger. Um, so I think it was five wins in a row. Um, uh, towards the end of the season, so that was okay. I didn't think that we played particularly well in the, in the first half. Um, mm. second half. And it was better, and we started picking them off um, and finding the right spaces and players in good positions to affect the game and create chances and create situations. And um, yeah, I, I can't lie, Pepe has been doing a madness this month, and um, he's been nominated for what play, play, um, Premier League Player of the Month as well. Mm. So when um, you could say that the the four wins or five wins that we've had in a row is really much in straight conjunction with his uprising form and goal scoring. Form essentially, so yeah. Um, his second goal was really, really good. Really, really good. Um, even the first one was pretty good on his right foot. I remember right, right foot volley, right. So yeah, I think he's he's coming into um, the season and, and with with good form, um, good spirits, good vibes. Um, but our season holistically and as a whole, been shocking, and we mm. know that. But um, that game, I think it was good to, um, to kind of finish it off. Have been, you know what? I think me, me, you, and Chaps as well. We like doing the hmm, hmm, you know. So Pepe having double figures in the prime is a bit of a hmm, hmm, you know. So 
very, very, very hmm, hmm, hmm. And there's lots of ways you can look at these stats, and people are. Te- I've seen the stats. All, all over the place this uh, this week in terms of like what kind of a season Pepe has had, the revisionism. And, but you know what? Look, we've got to give the guy credit where credit is due, right? Like, he's got, um, how, how much has he ended up with? Is it 10 goals in the Premier League, right? And 10 goals and 16 starts. T- 10 goals and 16 starts is, you know, and, consi- and people say, well, you know, starts don't mean if he's got 31 appearances. I think he only one of those goals came from the bench. So it's pretty much a case of when he starts, he is scoring practically every other game. Um, Shabs, I'll come to you on this, on the on the Pepe uh, stuff. How much can we take from this Pepe run of form into next season? And is this maybe maybe the start of this Pepe resurgence into a semblance of the player that we thought we were going to get? Um, how, how, first question, how much of this Pepe um, form can we take into next season? I think it's dependent on a number of contextual factors. Um, it, it, it really depends for me on who's the coach at the start of the next season. Um, you know, do, 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 do we start the season with Arteta, which is probable? Um, it depends on the summer recruitment, who we bring in. Um, if you're talking about us bringing in a player like Buendia, then, um, you know, who plays on the right, who starts games on the right, then what does that mean for Pepe in terms of the starting berth? Um, I still don't think that um, Arteta is fully convinced by Pepe. I don't think that he's given him a fair crack of the whip at all. I think it's difficult to really justify Arteta's decision-making around Pepe when you consider how indiscriminate he's been against other players. I'll say this about Arteta. So much he's discriminatory towards some players, he's indiscriminate towards other players. So that's madness for me. Um, and then I think the other part is about Pepe himself. No, sorry, and some of it as well. I think is about how we how we set up, um, how we attack, um, how we play when we have the ball, and how we utilize Pepe. Do we play in a way which really gives Pepe um, a bit of license and helps him to play to his strengths? Or do we continue to do stupid things like have him out on the right, isolated, without any players around him, without any real license for him to kind of get into the box? I don't know about Pepe and his all ability. I think as far as his all round ability, we are not really going to see the player that we thought we were getting. But mm. as far as his ability to finish a player who's good in the final third. Um, Some top quality finishes there, I right? That's an, I, yeah, I think there's an effective player there. Mm. I've always said I like him better when he's closer to other players. Um, and I'm to like him better. The more we've seen of him, I like him better when he's closer to goal. And I think he mm-hmm. can be effective when he's closer to goal as well. So the questions are, are we going to use him in that way or not really? Um, I, I always say as a coach, it's your job to get the best out of your players, you know, nothing else. And if you look at his what Pepe has produced based on the chances he's had available, there's clear evidence, there's a clear correlation between the number of starts that he's had, the number of goals he's, he's produced. So, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to kind of continue justifying not using him or not giving him a fair opportunity. Because actually, he's done a lot to save um, Arteta. He's done a lot to save him in games. Um, mm. Sometimes when he has popped up with goals and whatnot, I still think he's got all-round contribution. 
Um, like I said before, I don't think we're ever really going to see um, what we expected, but I think he can still have a better all-round contribution than, 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 than what we get from him at the moment. But play the guy to his strengths, man. Jesus, play, play him to his strengths. Yeah, um, Dan, have you got any further thoughts on 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 Pepe's season? Like, what I think we spoke about this a bit in the last pod, you know, just in terms of like what we expect of Pepe next season. You know, what what are the goal tallies we can, um, you know, can he be a can he be our fifteen goal a season guy? You know, in the league, can can he be that guy? If he's getting ten and sixteen starts. You would imagine if you give him 30 starts, he would be hitting that 15 mark, right? Or is that too simplistic to put it? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think. Maybe it's simplistic, but I, I would still, I'd still assume that he would get um, additional goals with more minutes, more time, and more starts. Um, but yeah, on Pepe, I think I've been always trying to be um, balanced on Pepe, even though he's annoyed me a lot at times. I just don't like sloppy players, um, technically sloppy players, and he's been there a lot. But one thing I always have given him is that his ability to finish and his ability to shoot. And no matter if I think that he's played crap, Pepe can score. You yeah. give him a chance, he can score. Even half a chance. Because you're looking at, I looked at his um, XG for the Premier League this season. It was 5.8 or something like that. Mm. He scored 10 goals. So a lot of the goals that he scored are not real chances, not easy chances. He's making goals himself. And um, if I look at this, if I look at our team and I look at the players that are really individual um, and look to score goals by themselves, it's not actually that many. Aubameyang has done it a little bit last season, has completely um, not done it this season. Lacazette, not really. Um, Saka and Iesa are not really. Those are they're all team players. Because Pepe is one. It's like oh, I'm gonna just run at the guy now, run at this guy as well and get a shot off. He's He's there to influence the game from an individual standpoint and he does give us something different. Quite frankly, if someone performs, it's, this, it's similar as with Willock, you need to give people credit when they perform. And um, in football, goals are the hardest and hardest thing to come by. And this, this man can score goals of not that many chances. Mm. Well, I'm going to ask a question here from Robin, Robin Stanford. He's listening on the, on the Twitter, on Periscope. Um, he asked, is it worth cashing in on Pepe now he's starting to play well? We might be able to get some peas back. Shabs, if I were to say to you, £35 million offer comes in for Pepe this summer, take it or leave it? Uh, Shabs is still here, don't worry. No, no, no. (laughs) I probably probably wouldn't take it. Interesting. Um, would you, if I'd asked you this mm, Christmas time, do you think you would have? I would have absolutely have taken it. Right. Okay. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't like right now because I'm I'm looking and I still, I still believe there's a player in there. And I think last season I was largely disappointed by him in terms of his individual performances and what he's produced or failed to produce this season. I've been most disappointed with the team, team performances, um, and the coach's failure to get the most out of a player who can offer us something in such a dire season, especially where we have struggled to attack, we struggled to score, or whatnot. So what we what 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 we have seen, and right, cool, was a brace against Brighton. Let's not let's not get carried away. Let's not lose our minds. But I think what we have seen, like I said earlier, is the correlation between um, uh, minutes played and goals. So. 
I wouldn't take it based on my curiosity that I believe that we could actually get something more mm. from him in terms of output next season. Um, that that it will be on that basis. They're saying to buy a Pepe on the dip, yeah? The the Pepe coin. That's, that's what they're saying. <laughs> Buying that crypto up. Thank you for selling that on the low, bro. Yeah, selling it. Mm. You know what? I might have to pick some up myself. I can't lie because, <laughs> listen, certain man, were to- certain man were talking a lot about Pepe when he came, saying he's, you know, not better than this player, not better than that player, could, might be one of the worst wingers in the Premier League. Not better than, um, you know, man like fucking, um, mate, I can't even remember some of the names they were saying. But he's, this season he's outscored Richarlison, he's outscored James Madison, he's outscored, um, uh, there's, there's loads of players that he's outscored. So, listen, Firmino, you have to give, sorry? Firmino, I think as well. With 10 goals, he's, he's outscored yeah, a lot. He's, he's outscored a lot of players this year. So, I asked the same question to you, Dan. Thirty-five million this summer. Say Napoli come in, thirty-five million. Say, look, we want Pepe. Um, we you taking it or leaving it? <clears throat> For me, there's as there's two points why I wouldn't take it. First You're also one, buying Pepe on the dip, then? No, no. I'm just. I'm, I don't think we. Um, I don't trust the recruitment team to mm. replace replace him accurately, even even for the little output that he's given us this season, and then most of it came in this half of the season. Those 10 goals, are they going to buy someone for 35, 40 mil who can even do that? Mm. I, I'm not sure they will. Uh, I know Pepe can do it now, so I think, and I even would even say he's on a positive trajectory, so I'm don't, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have faith in their ability to replace him accurately. And then also, secondly, I also think we have a lot to do this summer. So selling and trying to buy another wide man is just, I think, a bit of a, you know, giving us too, too much to do um, and a waste of time. We need to focus on the key areas of the pitch um, where we really, really, really are lacking. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's why I would say no for that one. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because I do agree with your points, with your, both your points, actually, with um, in, especially in regards to recruitment. Um I don't. I don't really know the market too tough, and what players are available out there. Um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be trusting these guys with. And I think, look, if you if you can make him a scorer, he, there's a lot of use there for him. We just maybe need someone on that left hand side, or again, it's it's difficult with Saka as well. Like, what do we do with Saka? They're both they're both clearly best in that right wing position, right? So what do you think on the left? He's he scored on the left when he started. He has, he? but do you want him on the left? Do you really want him on the left? I mean, I'm not too I'm, sure if you do. Play that. I'm I'm not sure where I'll play him, but they mm. both can play on either wing. It's not that yeah. much of a problem. Like I said, it's yeah. going to be good summer as well. We're losing the scorer, yeah. then second one, and then having to buy two scorers. I don't have faith in that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's no guarantees. Look, there's no guarantees that Pepe could go on and replicate. Um, what's done so oh. far next season, yeah. no guarantee at all. But mm-hmm. I I take the chance on it because there's, there's equally there's no guarantee that you could bring in someone who can also contribute to the goals as well. Um, I think if we have two um, scorers and two creators in terms of our front four, then it's a decent balance for me. Obviously, you want goals to be chipped in and contributed from every everywhere on the pitch. But yeah, right now in this mold. Um, I'm, 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 I'm sticking with him. Mm, mm. 
It's um, it's been quite a, a say strong finish, but Odegaard has chipped in with a few assists towards the end of the season. I think he did. He get one against Brighton. That does count as a yeah, and, and it was a nice pass into Tierney for the uh, cutback for um, Pepe's goal against. No, which am I mixing these up? I think he got two assists in a in two games, two assists. I think. What game am I thinking? Where he played the nice pass to that? I think that was the Palace game. Tell a lie. Yeah, he played the a nice goal. Pass. Or the Martinelli yeah. goal, yeah, in the post game. Yeah. yeah, the Martinelli goal. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's um, he's 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 chipped in with a few assists recently, and you know he's, he seems to be getting involved a lot more. We had a discussion about Odegaard in the last episode. Um, I don't think my opinion has changed really, and I think now that we've seen this news that Zidane is leaving Real Madrid, that's confirmed. That probably opens up a space um, for him to go back to Real Madrid and get his chance there. So I doubt very much that we're going to sign Odegaard permanently. Um, I guess, how do you guys feel about that? Do you, do you think this is going to be a, a real loss to the Arsenal team? How difficult is he going to be to replace, I guess? Do you have confidence in in our recruitment to, to replace someone like Odegaard? It's, it sounds crazy that we're talking about having to replace someone who's on a six-month loan. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, how do we go about replacing Erdogan and, and how big of a miss is he going to be? I think um, I think Erdogan's been there and playing with Issa and Saka. I, I enjoyed some of the games they've played together. And I, I generally thought that our technical level was way, way higher. Um, our ability to keep the ball, move the ball and stuff. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed our football a little bit in some of those games. Never for 90 minutes. We don't seem to be able to have the ability to do anything for 90 minutes. But yeah. some, in some games, I was thinking, yo, these guys are on stuff. Like the Spurs game, there were, was a period. There was Samgate. There, and with Sam game, there was a period. Um, I don't know. There was another game where I thought, right, these guys Villa, are... maybe Villa, second half. One game was taking as well a little bit. Like, do you know what I mean? I, th- I felt like there was good technical football that we played. And in order to... In order to to, to play good technical football, we need good technical players. Who are we signing that is going to do what Udegaard does? And is that person that we signing going to do it to the same level? Wendia? As a, min- as a minimum, same level minimum, or higher level. And I know people are very focused on numbers, but with these creative players, I think if you have two or three, the numbers are not that essential with them. I think the numbers are essential with the Pepes, the Aubameyangs. They need to score. They need to score. But your ESR your Udegaard, they need to be involved in the game. If they play well, the scorers will score. So I think this, that, that knock-on knock effect of having people that increase the technical level, increase the technical ability of the team, increase the speed of play, because most situations in football are occurring due increasing the speed of play, having the ability to maintain high speed of play. And you can only do that with very technical players. So... Um, I think Buendia, it looks to me, looks like a good player. I haven't watched too many full games of him, I can't lie. So I'm a bit apprehensive about him. Um, I still like Awar. I know he had a bit of an up-and-down season at Lyon. Um, but I just need players that are technical um, and maintain the technical level that we had for some games in the last couple of months. Because the technical level that we had in the first half of the season, Jesus Christ. Mm. Before ESR came in, my goodness. Mm. And mm-hmm. then... We got ESI in, it increased a little bit, and then it increased a, 
even a bit more of Udegaard coming in. So we need to maintain that as a minimum. Ideally, we need to increase it. But yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. I think it will be difficult to replace him. I think we need to put money in to replace him. Um, because just ESR, again, with Saka, is not enough. And even Udegaard, ESR, Saka was not enough. So, you know, I think we need two. Yeah. Shabs, what about you? How how difficult is Erdegaard going to be to replace? Um, do you back us to, to, to find the right guy? I, you see, I agree with a lot of what Dan's said about Erdegaard's technical level, um, how he performed when he's been in the side, all of those comments I agree with. Um, the point about him being difficult to replace, I, I'm, I'm not sure he has been as impactful as I would have expected him to have been prior to, you know, prior to him coming in. So um, there is an interesting and fair point. I think we do have to be fair about the numbers. Um, you know, do you expect how many um, creative playmakers like Erdegaard in that mode do you expect to um, score lots of goals? The game is about um, picking up the ball in intelligent pockets of space and creating chances really um, you know those, these types can create with parties they can create with uh, movement creating space um, you know sometimes they can carry the ball into the box you know you're very lucky if you can get um, ones who can create get assists register assists and score goals but like you're very lucky that's an exceptional player there with exceptional combination um, if he hasn't done that it's not necessarily fair to put it on him. Again, I think fundamentally the way that we attack, the way that we're set up to attack is poor, um, very flawed. So I can't necessarily put it all on, on him. Um, but I don't think he will be difficult to replace based on what we have um, seen in the time frame that he's been there. I think if we'd seen him for longer, maybe, and he'd had a bit more impact on the first team performances and results, then there's a it's easier for me to make an argument about him being harder to replace but I think there are players who could come in um, like I think if we were to get OR in um, I don't think that what we'd see would be very different um, I don't think that we'd, we'd suffer by getting mm. OR in instead of instead of Erdegaard OR is cheaper than Erdegaard I think OR could still contribute by creating chances he could chip in with goals contribute with goals there are lesser known quantities as well, likes of Michael um, Olise or Olise, who um, he's done it to a, a lower level, a lower standard, um, potentially could create um, chances and have an impact in the side um, that wouldn't cost as much as what Odegaard has, will cost us. So I think there is the potential to replace him. But then the question is, again, about trusting the, the um Side of things at the club, and that's where I have my reservations. I think mm. if we had better recruitment, I'd, I'd, I'd probably trust and be a bit more confident. That said, we did bring in Erdegaard, so you know, I have to be fair there as well and say we have been able to bring in a player like Erdegaard, so why couldn't we bring in someone similar to him? I, I do have a bit of a counter to, to what, what Shaps um, said because I do think it's difficult to replace Erdegaard because I, I 100% agree. Um, I was one of the people that said I'm a big fan of Rudiger, but I think this loan has been underwhelming. However, the way he interprets the game, the way the things he does on the pitch at, at a base level, still allows us to do certain things. 
So, Alise is a player that I've watched only from clips. Looks good to me. I don't know what he does for 90 minutes. Does he do the same thing as Odegaard? Does he maintain under pressure? Does he, you know, take difficult touches and slow the game down, then increase his... I don't know. I know what Odegaard does. I know Awar could do it. But for me, that's not a straightforward transfer. I know we've seen low fees. Do we have the capability of doing that transfer? Do we want to do that transfer? I've seen rumours today that we might not want to do it because of the relationship with his brother. So, and Awa, again, that's someone that's going to be difficult to get because he's at a low price. And there'll be other teams in Europe trying to get him. And quite frankly, he's one of the best young players in Europe. So, in order to replace Udegaard, we still need an exceptional player to replace him. And uh, Elisa could be an exceptional player. I just don't know enough about him. Buendia looks good to me. I don't know enough about him to say he could be that player, you know. So, the players that I know that can do this, they are more expensive. Mm. So, that's just, this is what I'm looking at. I think there's a difficulty in replacing them. And then, additionally, increasing our technical level and our output, you'd say, assists. If, you know, can, I, can, can I ask you, if we do, if we do keep Erdegaard then... And this is to both of you. Um, what, what, what do you think the team needs to do to be able to, or the coach needs to do to be able to get the best out of him? And me, mm. so I'll just have a quick, quick answer. Yeah, I think we need another centre midfielder who's very good at winning the ball back quickly and good at under pressure and besides in possession well. So for me, that's why I think Basuma as a signing with Partey, them two in the pivot would be good because they're both able to push the defence, not the defence, the opposition back. And if the ball breaks down, they're very quick to win that ball back. And then we can go again. And then we can actually transition, even offensively transition, over and over again. Essentially what City do, but not to their level. I think we need to get a ball winner of that level. And um, there's reservation with Basuma, but the same reservations people had with Basuma, they had with Kante when he was at Leicester. And I see a lot of similarities. I actually think Basuma is technically better, better, better dribbling with the ball. Um, obviously, Kanta was super big for years, so there's not a disrespect. But I just think there are a lot of things in Basuma's game, I think, very valuable. And you don't get that that often to the level that he has displayed already in the Premier League. So, yeah, that would be my first thing. Yeah, I agree with that. My main concern with, my main criticism of Erdegaard is, is I feel like he just goes missing in games a bit too much, like hangs on the periphery a bit too much. He's, he's, too, he, he's too inactive. He's too inactive. But I do think that that has a lot to do with... He's going to be very... Um, he's going to be very, very influential in a team that has a lot of the ball. And in a team that has... Um, that is penning a team back. You know, we've seen the best of Erdegaard. He's a final third player, right? We want him in the final third. We want him... I'm picking defenses. I'm picking, um, you know, finding that final ball. If if he's involved in like a back and forth game or a game that's kind of like we've got like fifty one percent, fifty two percent of the ball territorially, it's not, you know, it's a bit here, there, and everywhere. He's not going to impact those games at all. He's just not that type of player. So I do agree with Dan. If we can find players that can. Um, you know, a Bissouma Partey partnership. I, I'm here for it. You know, um, I think, I think that that kind of partnership will sustain us the ball um, a lot better. We'll be able to sustain att- attacks a lot better. And if you can sustain attacks, Erdegaard is the type of player you want because if you can keep funneling the ball to him, keep giving him the ball, keep. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Giving him the ball. Similar to Ozil. I I know people think this is a lazy comparison. People say it quite a lot. I think they're very similar. And it, it was the same with Ozil. You keep giving him the ball in the right areas, he's going to make you pay. He might get a few passes wrong, but he's going to make you pay eventually. My my issue with Odegaard is just that in a team where you're not dominating the ball, I just don't think he's active enough. So, like similar to what Dan is saying, my goal would be to try and um, be a possession-orientated team and just try and dominate the ball as much as possible. Um, and I think that's how we'd probably get the best out of Odegaard, to be honest. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Like I, 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 I think Odegaard will be peak at Man City. Like peak. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, he's getting seventy percent of the ball, and he's going to be hanging on the penalty box. You know, so, for, for for three quarters of the game. So, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just want to move on a little bit. Um, Let's talk a little bit about... Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, one player, I criticise him a lot, but I try to be balanced. Um, Zach has, um, I think, overall has had a decent season. He's very good in that Brighton game. Um, I was like survivalist, you know? Like, Mm. like it was over for Zach. He keeps coming back. I'm a bit of a Darwinist. Zach cockroach. The the strongest survives Darwinist, you know? So... Yeah, Zaka is back here, and he he looks at the that is his dressing room. Yeah, Obama is the captain and whatnot, but Zaka is the leader of this team. Granted, we're getting led to eighth place finishes, but yeah, he's, he's dominating the paint. Do you know what is funny? Do you know what's quite funny? We've had such a bad season. However, I do feel like there's a few players in this Arsenal team that we've really added to their transfer value this year. I'm talking about players like, um, well, we just mentioned Pepe. We've just, we, you've just mentioned Xhaka. I think if Xhaka, there's been rumours that he wants to leave. I don't know how true those rumours are. I, I, obviously, I'm not going to be opposed to selling him. Um, but if we do get someone like Bissouma, and I don't mind Xhaka being our third choice midfielder and stuff, you know. But if someone comes in with a silly offer, you know, 30, 35 million, then I think we'd have to sell him. But, you know, players like Rob Holding, we're, we're not big fans, but he's played 
so much football this season. I don't think, um, you know, if if a team does come in for him, I don't think we'll get anything short of 15, 15 million for him. Um, I think we'd get decent money for Rob Holden. Someone like Callum Chambers as well. He's he's definitely added to his values. He's he's um, made people, uh, you know, uh, you know, aware that he put himself in the shop window again. Someone like Mohamed El Nenny. You know, I, I know that these players, Lacazette. You know, Lacazette you know just had his best goal scoring season for us. You know what I think it is though. I think the le- one. I, I think we're a bit harsh in terms of. Some of our valuation of players. I, I, you see, 15 mil for Rob Holden for me is an insult. And that's just because by way of comparison about the league, there are defenders a lot worse, in my opinion, than Rob Holden who have gone for more money or who have been touted as, you know, um, more valuable than mm. him. But I think, um, and I think there are a few examples of that in the Arsenal squad, players like that in the Arsenal squad. Um, I think you look at Rian Brewster, and Eddie and KTR, that kind of situation. You've got a £25 million pound striker in your hands mm. and then people are talking about 10 mil, 12 mil for Eddie but, yeah, but that's our own fault though, isn't it? That's that's the club's fault. Like, we've allowed yeah, Eddie is. to just, it is. you know, he should, not, he should not be in this Yeah, he should be in the situation. Like and some of it is situational, but some of it is just that, yeah, like, we don't value our players. But I think what a, a, another part of this is, uh, another point to consider is that when... The perception of Arsenal as a as a top club for these underperforming players, you look at them and you think, mm, you know, they're not worth they're not worth a great deal. Arsenal's perception has changed. Arsenal not considered as a top club, not in the Premier League, not at this point in time. A big club, yeah, with big history, whatever. But in terms of our performances, no, not so much. So when you're looking at uh, Granit Xhaka or when you're looking at a Rob Holding. Or whatnot, and you're saying they're performing reasonable enough to a decent enough standard for a decent side. Um, I think the, the the perception of their valuation shifts slightly. I think it's easier to kind of market them there when you're thinking about um, other teams that they might go to. But if you're looking at them playing for Arsenal and with the perception of Arsenal as a top club, you're looking at well, he's not doing it for Arsenal, so I can get him on the cheap. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's, that's, that's kind of what I think is going on. True, true. Yeah. That's it. They're valid points. Um, just want to talk a little bit about Arteta because um, uh, he's up for manager of the month. Or did, did he get did he get the manager of the month award, or is he just nominated? I don't I don't actually know. I don't I don't really give a shit. Nominated. I think he was just nominated. I don't think. Yeah, the month of May is not over yet, um, so I don't think it, it's been announced yet. But yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Look, we've we've won five games in a row. Um, how much of these victories do we take going into next season? Because there's there's some decent wins there, right? There's the victory over Chelsea, comfortable wins over you know some opposition that we struggled against earlier on in the season. Let's 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 have it right. You know, we've lost to Burnley this season. Uh, you know, we lost to um, uh, who else have we lost to at home? I feel like we've lost to everyone at home. Uh, Wolves, you know, a lot, well, lots of teams that uh, Fulham. I think we lost. No, drew. I think we drew to Fulham. Um, you know, we we've dropped a lot of points in games this season, and Villa. and we seem to be sorry, Villa. 
yeah, we, we've um, but we seem to be getting these wins now. And now Brighton, you know, they're they're not a. I know there's not much to play for, and it's difficult to to really find to, to really know like exactly um how much these te- these games meant to the players and whatnot. But one five in a row, which is no mean feat in this Premier League. How many teams have won five in a row at this league this year? Not many teams, I don't think, have won five in a row this year. Am I clutching at straws, or is this something that we can take into next season? How, what should be the expectations in of next season of Arteta? Ba- ba- realistic expectations. What should what should it be? Top four is the expectation. That's, that's top four. Yeah. Top from eighth to top four with this squad. No, top, top four is the expectation. Realistic expectation for Arteta, though. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think this guy can achieve better than six, seven, and that's based on the evidence of his performance in the time that he's managed the club. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think that's what he's capable of. I, I know people will say, yeah, about the quality of the playing squad or whatnot. Um, I don't actually think this season it was that hard. I think it was there for the taking. I think if you look at the performances of West Ham in the league, of Everton in the league, I don't think they're better squad than us. I don't think they're better quality than us. They've finished higher than us, like comfortably um, higher than us. Whatever you want to say, the points total might have been at the end of the season. They've finished in in, in, in positions higher than us with worse squads. Um, I think that's a coaching issue, you know, and I don't think that he's demonstrated that he's good enough. So, yeah, my expectation and what the club's standard should be is top four minimum. But I, I also don't believe that's realistic. Not without a heavy window and a, a marked improvement in his coaching ability, you know. Um, I, I, w- I would disagree respectfully on that. I think top four is realistic. Same as I said last season, it's realistic because I think teams the bubbles again are gonna they're gonna fuck up again. It's gonna be the sim- I, I think it's gonna be a similar season to this season. A lot of teams slipping and sliding. If you're consistent enough, you make top four. I don't know how many points we finish off top four in the end. Um, yeah, not many. Um, I think we had 13 losses this season. Mm. 13 losses. Well, we've had like 18, 19 wins. wins. 18 wins. 18 wins. So United had 24, 21 wins this, yeah. in this campaign. Three, three more wins than us. You know, this is this is not a big gap. And no. Atat had fucked up a lot this season. So... If he, the gap it is oh, though, Dan, is the amount of goals. Like United scored yeah, no, 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 twenty more about, goals I'm, in us. I'm not comparing it directly to United because they mm. finished far away from third and fourth as well. But I'm looking at the top four. We're not far away from those places. We are actually probably all in around similar wins. It's about reducing the losses and turning let, more losses. I'm, let, I'm, let me, I'm looking at it, but I'm looking at it like this: saying Man City are clear. Um, yep. United at this point in time are, are, are better, than better than us. Us, whatever you want to think about. Right? Liverpool had a really bad season. Best. Yeah, exactly. No one has to get the best out of this place. Liverpool had a terrible season. They will definitely improve. They've got Van Dijk coming back. Yeah. They've got the danger players Henderson's been missing since February. Whatever you think about him, he's key to the way that they play and you know the mentality or whatever. Chelsea will improve. Um, Chelsea is the having... second best form team in the Premier League yeah. since Tuchel's come in. Yeah. I think Le- personally, Leicester have already started to improve. So it's things yeah. like okay, which one of those sides are we going to display? And I'm not, I'm not saying that they're better than us or whatever. I'm saying they are better than which us. One yeah. of those spells. Which one of those sides are we going to display and knock out 
from the top four. Like which which one of those sides? And there's also a deficit in terms of the coaching or what we need to mm. see um, him make that up. And I think that's where it is: is the the lack of confidence in recruitment, the lack of confidence in the current playing squad, and the lack of confidence in coaching makes me. Those are the three things. I, that make I completely agree with you. I do not think Attack will achieve that. This is a realistic expectation, in my opinion. However, for the okay. coach at Football Cup, we have the capabilities. We have yeah. this to at least push the top four, and we could make top four. When we could have made it this year if he was a serious coach. If he had yeah. a serious coaching campaign um, yeah. and put and put across the season, then we would have made that. So I I'm agree. Similar yeah. expectation again next season because they're going to back him again this summer. Um, how much we will remain, remain to be seen. I know last summer we were off one signing of what they wanted to do. This summer they will back him again. He will get signings that he wants or players that he wants. What is he going to achieve? I don't know. I think he could get fired, but I think the players are good enough to still push for the four. So, so uh, I kind of agree with you, Dan, but where, where I disagree is, like, if we take it back to the start of uh, this season, right, I think all, all of us here in this conversation, we all said uh, fifth or sixth. Am I right in saying that? I don't think anyone said fourth. We no, thought we'd probably be um, a bit too... I said Sorry? Fourth. You said fourth? Yeah, so Okay, so that, that, that goes against the point that I'm trying to make. But, um, all right, I'll leave that point alone then. So if we go into fast forward into next season, I think there are four teams clearly better than us. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't think it's a, a, a fair and realistic ex- expectation for us to finish in the top four. Because I feel like Chelsea, they got to show now, right? I don't, their improvement has been really good. Um, they look like they could potentially be title contender next season. If they, if they find a striker that, you know, um, can put the ball in the back of the net, they're going to be an issue. Liverpool, they're going to have their players back. Man United are too far ahead of us, I believe. Even if they have a little decline, you know, Solskjaer ain't the greatest coach um, and they're a bit jammy. But, you know, United, United for me are the team most likely to fall out of that top four, in my opinion. Because I don't think they're good. I, 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 I might be fucking losing my marbles here and being really biased, but I just do not think they're a good side. And whenever we play them, they've got goals. That's what they have. They've got goals. But Rashford hasn't scored much in 2021. They've been relying heavily on Cavani, who's like, what, 35, 36. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know how, how if that's going to continue. Plus, they get about a billion penalties. I don't know if that's going to continue. And Man City are obviously clear. So, saying that, I just don't think we have enough to penetrate that top four. Where where, where are we going to make up the difference? And I know it's only six points, but Chelsea and Liverpool had disastrous seasons. So I can only assume that next season they're going to have minimum 75, 80 points. So we got 61 points this year. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to make that 19 points up? Even if we did win 21 games next season, we improved, got those three, four extra wins that we should have got this season. That's still not going to be enough, I don't think. Because those four teams are... They've got a different situation. I think the situation this season is slightly different to last season as well. And last season, I was looking at, like, Liverpool looked already like they're tailed off at the end of the season. I was like, I'm not sure how serious they're going to be. Chelsea had Lampard, you know. Lampard tax is a real thing. Um, But I'm looking at next season again. Yeah, Chelsea, I think, are going to be strong. United, I'm not sure. There could be movement. They could sign Harry Kane. They could not. 
Popper could leave, you know. I think there's a lot of movement that's going to happen this summer which will give us a better idea. But I'm not 100% convinced by them as well. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also not that convinced by Liverpool. I'm, I know they have a lot of people coming back. Van Dijk is going to come back from an ACL and just be superhuman again. I'm not sure if he will be. Mm-hmm. They're just playing Canate. I'm not that. I'm not that convinced by Canate as well. Is he going to play loads of games for them this season? You know. So I think they had a lot of players also there this season who just played poorly. Mane, Firmino. You know. So are these guys be like past it a little bit? Mm-hmm. Is, 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 is Mane's time up? You know. Salah has still been scoring, but. Anything can happen in the season. I know they they look strong again. They look stronger, and Thiago is coming to his own as well. Uh, but I think like the Premier League is wide open, and one thing I think now will really play into our hand is that we don't have European competition. We mm. have every get every week one game, whereas these men are going to be travelling everywhere in Europe, um, stretching out their their squad thin. Um, we are going to be focusing on one game a week. And that makes yeah. a big difference. And we've seen how a team like Leicester have capitalised on this in the past, even Spurs in, in some of their seasons. So that's that's also one thing where I feel like top four again needs to be an expectation for me because that's the only fucking competition we really are playing in. Yeah, and it's, it is... Oh, I keep referring back to the stupid Christmas table, but it it's it's hard to ignore... Because it's what we should have been doing from the start of the season, right? And is, and I know we have a bozo coach. I know we do, but we're third in that. We're third in the over the last twenty four games, and those first fourteen games were absolutely horrendous. Bottom of the barrel shit, right? Bottom of the barrel shit. But in the last twenty four games. That's quite a big sample size to look at. And I know the performances haven't been good, but I think we've got, um, you know... How six, many wins? How many wins? 14, 14, wins, 14 wins in, 20, in 25 games, five draws, um, five defeats. Right, We've got the third most points, 48 point, 47 points. Man United got 48, Man City got 63. We've got the sixth highest XG scored, which needs improvement. Um, we've scored the third most goals, level with Spurs... Man United 45 goals, we got 43, Man City got 64. So, and Man United also played a game more than us in that period as well. So, listen, I'm not trying to do this whole since Christmas shit, like, even though I am doing it. I was going to say you're doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it, but it's hard to ignore it. And I, I'm not trying to yeah. say, oh, if we maintain this, la la la, you know, we're going to finish further or anything like that. I just think, this, because this is where I was like, I kind of agree with you. That if we continue anywhere near that kind of form, we could be in the shout. I just think that those teams above us, so, you know, over the last like 10 or so games, if I go back to say, say if I go back to where Tuchel joined, or or maybe like since February, I think, um, you know, Liverpool have come on really strong. Um, You know, Chelsea have been really, really strong in that period. So, you know, when you start doing that, we move down the table because we haven't been as good as those those teams. You know, I think since Tuchel come in, I think we're like the fifth or sixth best team since since um, he's come in. So, you know, we can take different sample sizes and and you know come to different conclusions to suit our own agendas and whatnot. But you know, I, I do feel like we this is our level. Uh, how we're performing now is our level, and if we sustain that over a season. We're probably going to be looking at, say, 70 points, 70, 72, 73 points. Is that enough for top four? 
going to be close, going to be very close. Probably like mm. fifth. Probably like fifth. But in some seasons, that's 74. It has been. Yeah. 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 In some seasons, it has. It depends, man. And, it, and this is it. For, for me, it's marginal games, man. It's, it's, it's marginal games. And has made a good, a fair point about not having European competition. I've been saying this. Uh, people can, you know, I'm a, I'm on record saying this, like last season even, um, you know, that maybe we'd be better off just finishing outside of Europe altogether and just focusing on the league, one competition, like, you know, Europe is too much a distraction and it hasn't uh, yielded us the dividends that we need, which is a place back into the Champions League. Let's just try and accomplish that by focusing on the, on, on, on the league. And really, um, Arteta, new coach still, really he's in the infancy of his coaching career. Um, maybe he needs that extra time, the additional time to work on things with the with these players. If you think about how he came in, the season, COVID, all of the disruptions, all of the stuff he's been left with, the club just, be, it's a really poorly run club, you know, and it's a club and a hierarchy that have exposed Arteta to too much, stuff that he shouldn't have to been exposed to in Dinamo. And maybe I'm not being fair to him because maybe his attention has been distracted from just being able to get on with the coaching side of things. You know, maybe he's been brought into too much decision making about other things. So let's see. Let's let's let let's just see. Let's just see what he does. Maybe he benefits from having them and you know like Poch doing the double sessions with the players and really getting to work on these ideas. Maybe Arteta has just had to be very pragmatic and um, play a style of football that he's been able to kind of implement with the resources that he's had because of the lack of pre-season and COVID. And who knows what? But, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think you raised some good points there. You did speak about, you know, how well we are run. Um, I, I don't actually know what's going on here, but we've got it in our topic points. Um, uh, what, what, what is, what's going on with Edu? And you know, there's some kind of scandal, or what? What? what what's what's happening there? Who's going to give me the lowdown on what's happening? I think essentially, when he worked at the Brazilian FA, um, there was someone that was um, banned from working there mm. um, because of I think bribery or fraud or something like that. And sure. um, essentially, they then hired someone else who was. Um, who's working, who's not working really, who's just um, a front, and the guy that was supposed to not be working was still working behind the scenes with Edu and other other senior officials. So Edu essentially um, broke the law um, along, alongside with other people. But what I'm hearing is this is very common practice over there, um, that people still stay in charge. But obviously Arsenal... Um, we um we shouldn't be we should be probably distancing ourselves from that. Um, so I think he's probably been heavily scrutinised. I, I think he probably lose he's going to lose his job. Really? Have hard evidence of him. Um, it says, you could probably say it's conspiring with someone that has been banned from his position. Mm. So, mm. And he was still reporting yeah. to the senior officials. I mean, he was further down the hierarchy, but he was still working into and feeding information into someone that's not supposed to be in the position that they were in. Yeah. So if that if it, that it, it contract, so. I was just going to say yeah it brings his reputation into disrepute um, even if it's not true um, or even if there isn't uh, substantive yeah. evidence against him it it, it 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 mars his reputation a little bit and Arsenal for all of their wrongs they are a club who want to be seen to be prestige in their handling of situations and 
how reputable they are and distance themselves from their stuff. And to be fair, I think Raul lost his job for less, you know, so, um, you know, um, it's another, consistent. It's another, it's another spanner in the works because last summer we obviously had Raul leave and, and I don't know how that affected our transfer business in the end, you know, whether, you know, whether that affected the Awar deal, you know, whether that affected us bringing in a number 10. Uh, you know, these things could have affected us. It was very random when um, Raul was sacked. It was kind of out of the blue in the middle of a of a transfer window when, you know, some of our business had been done. So, you know, he apparently he had negotiated the Gabriel deal and then, you know, X, Y, Z. Now, if this was to happen now in the middle of another transfer window, you know, it's not great, is it? It's not great planning. It's it's not good for, you know, our transfer uh, our transfer window, especially when Edu's supposed to be the guy in charge of of all this stuff. So how concerned are you by this? And, uh, you know, is, is there any speculation as to how Arsenal plan to, to deal with this fallout? You're a mute, Shabs. Oh yeah, I was gonna say it just it just doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he lost his job. Um it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't have a, a, a ready made replacement lined up. It wouldn't surprise me if that scuppered our summer business our summer business. Um I mean it, it, these are the things that are typical of Arsenal. Um I think, you know, there are there's a very good um Director of football available on the market. Um, it's Campos. Just, they just won the league with Bill. I think he's a great candidate for the role. I'd be looking to bring him in, really. Um, I think as well, if you, if you evaluate Eddie's performance, and I always said, people called me Eddie Evangelist at some, at some, at some points in the, in this season. I, I still I always, yeah, I always just said, no, let's just be balanced, but also let's review Let's review at the end of the season. Like, let's review when he's had a season in charge where we know actually he's been pivotal <laughs> and played the role. I think by virtue of the fact that we finished, where did we finish? Eighth? Eighth. Um, yeah. Again, uh, two seasons in a row, eighth. Yeah, serious questions about him. People will say, yeah, but he brought in Gabriel, Partey and um, Erdegaard. I got rid of Ozil, blah, 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 blah. We finished eighth. Um, I'm not sure that it's... He said, no, I'm not sure it's acceptable. I think it was like feelings, which people also ignore or overlooked. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I, uh, I think the club will also play a role in that, and I think it would be history repeating itself, and it would, none of it would surprise me at all. I, I think this is actually the thing that we should expect, and we should be surprised if it doesn't happen, you know? Um, that's such as such the way that Arsenal run, man. Yeah. It's, it's mad. I was just going for our league positions here. It's the it's a, it's the first time since 1976 that we finished outside the top eight two years in a row. Crazy, Fucking crazy, man. man. We're we're on the decline, man. We need to really sort this out. Really sort this out. Well, look, we need to shift our direction. That's what I've, 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 I've that, that season that when I got sacked in when we, when we finished fifth. What was the points tally? Sixty three points. Mm. So basic, we're just two points below that this season, but we scored seventy four goals that season. You know, we were still scoring goals, man. We were still still we scoring goals. Nine goals that season. That was the issue. Yeah. Goals. And then Unai Emery's next season, we got seventy points. 
Um, so we actually managed to improve somehow, even though it didn't feel like that. Um, uh, and obviously, we had a really bad season. Arguably, last season was worse than uh, this season, when you look at it. I mean, we finished with five more points, more wins, same position, mind you. But, yeah, it's it's, it's difficult to look at, like... Um, because like you said, Dan, every season is different, right? It's you, it's difficult to look at this season and apply, you know, rules to next season because teams are going to be different. You know, the points tallies are going to be different. You know, getting into top four is hard enough, but look, we're going to have to we're going to have to um, see what we do in the summer. We need a major, major transfer window. I think we're going to be doing some um, stuff on the Patreon to do with the transfer window, like doing individual player profiles. I'm just keen to wrap it up here because it is late. And uh, we are heading into we're in we're in Thursday now, so uh, happy Thursday, lads! Um, this is the late one of the latest pod I've ever done. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it there. Look, we're going to do a season review Patreon. Um, we're going to sp- split the season up, and you know we're going to really look into you know that early part of the season where it all went to shit. What actually happened, and, and then we'll split into sections, and and um, we'll go through it thoroughly in great detail. So if you are interested in listening to that. Um, give us a, a subscription on the Patreon. The link will be in the bio, or you can go to just Patreon and just type in Touchy Gooners, and we're there. Three pound a month, you can get access to all of that. Um, Shabs, Dan, I'll let you get some sleep, um, and we'll speak sometime tomorrow. Take uh, it easy, lads. Let's. Trust me. Sports Social Podcast Network.